0: Hello, everyone. Hi, this is Rahul, your filmy Banya. And today we are in a very, very interesting discussion. And uh, this discussion subject is the movie Animal Crackers, which has just released recently in India on Netflix. Uh, and uh, by the way, it's an amazing film. It stars um, uh, Sir Ian McKellen, John Krasinski, Emily Blunt, the great Rambos, uh, Sylvester Stallone and A host of great actors and today we are very lucky to have been joined by Scott Christian Sava from uh, from, uh, Tennessee in the United States and Scott is the co-director and the originator of this movie very very big warm welcome namaste to you Scott
1: (laughs) very nice to meet you thanks for having me
0: great superb so uh, today we're going to be asking some fan questions and then Some more, uh, you know, we're going to probe about Animal Crackers with you. And um, with your permission, I would like to begin with a few questions. Of course. So, Scott, just tell us about how Animal Crackers as an idea of, uh, it sounds like a very, very unique idea at the core. How did it come to your mind? And what was your journey with this idea?
1: Uh, You know, it... As with pretty much all of my comic books that I've written, it came from my kids. Uh, We were in the backyard eating uh, Barnum's Animal Crackers, um, which is a fun red box, has a little string on it and all the different animals. And we were eating, the boys were maybe seven or eight at the time. Uh, And... I just had the idea. What if you, when you eat a lion cookie, poof, you become a lion. When you eat a giraffe cookie, poof, you become a giraffe. And the kids of course loved it. So they were running around eating different cookies and pretending they were that animal. And uh, I wrote the idea down. And a few months later, I turned it into a graphic novel. Um, At the time, uh, animal crackers was, was one of the books I had written a dozen books for a company called IDW. And they had published, oh, they published,
0: very, in, very popular. So globally,
1: yeah. yeah, and and, and they had published a bunch of my books, but at the time this was maybe 2010, I think, uh, they, they were just, they didn't know how to break into the children's book market. And so uh, we kind of ran into a situation where they weren't able to pay me the money that they owed me. So we parted ways. So Animal Crackers was a finished book that just kind of sat and uh about a year later i uh, was talking to my buddy Kevin grievous now Kevin created the series uh the 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 series of movies underworld uh with the vampires and werewolves and Kate Beckckensdale and whatnot and he actually played raised the uh, uh the werewolf um in in the movies and he said, why don't you turn your your story into uh, a movie script and i said well i i went to art school i don't know anything about writing a movie script uh he said i went to uh howard university and i was a microbiologist i didn't know anything either and i wrote underworld and uh so he really just kind of encouraged me to take a shot and i did and with within a little bit uh, harvey weinstein uh saw it and he loved it and um Fortunately, that that relationship didn't work out because Harvey Weinstein wound up going to jail, but um, we we wound up getting money to make the movie and the rest is history.
0: Well, this whole process sounds like a movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, there's, It really is. It, people I tell agree. me that the uh, the making of the movie is far more interesting than the movie itself.
0: There's this old Indian saying that the journey is far more enjoyable than the destination.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: (laughs) That's fascinating. And um, just tell us a little bit about your co-director.
1: Tony Bancroft. So yeah, when when we first met Harvey Weinstein, he says, look, he says, I love the idea. I love the script. He says, I can't sell a movie with you attached. You're nobody, you've never done anything. You're just some guy in Franklin, Tennessee. I need some big names, and I had met Tony Bancroft uh, years ago, and we had worked on a couple small commercials uh, together. And um, he had left Disney after doing Mulan. Um, Tony, uh, if you if you don't know Tony Bancroft, he was uh, the animator of Yago in Aladdin. Uh, He was the animator.
0: I think, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yes. Yeah. He, he, I'm trying to go chronologically. If I can remember it was Yago in Aladdin. He was, um, Cogsworth, maybe, maybe actually, I'm sorry. Beauty and the Beast came first. Cogsworth in Beauty and the Beast, Yago in Aladdin, Pumbaa in, uh, the Lion King. He then directed Mulan. And then after that, he was the lead animator for Kronk in Emperor's New Groove. So he's got this wonderful, wonderful, uh, Uh, director and uh he offered to come on board as my co-director and uh and we just had an amazing time and he taught me so much working on the film
0: and i think it's, it sounds like a very interesting collaboration between two individuals where uh, it sounds more like a startup idea you know when there's somebody yeah. who has a little more experience as a veteran and at the same time have yeah. one guy who's super dynamic with a great idea and if you put them together you have uh, uh, you know, a very unique enterprise in the future.
1: Yeah, you know, um, everything, since everything was my first time, and and as any, any person doing something for their first time, uh, their ideas are different, they're unique, they want to um, try different things that they haven't seen before. And Tony was saying, well, Disney does it this way, uh, and there's a reason why they do it, because it works. And so okay. he would always try to bring me back to, a more traditional uh, form of storytelling. And, you know, sometimes I was stubborn and I would want to just try it myself and go in a direction. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. But Tony was really good at becoming that mentor uh, of a friend and saying, okay, I'm going to give you guidelines and you can take it from there.
0: Superb. So our next question is actually a very interesting question. What is unique about this story? And do you think it has a resonance to the current socioeconomic environment of the world as it is now?
1: Um, I think, I think uh, the family, one of the things that Tony and I, I and I don't wanna say we argued about it, but um, a, a tra- when I wrote the script, it originally was your, your typical hero's journey. Uh, it, it focused on Owen. And um, it, it, when Emily Blunt came on board, we really realized that um, Zoe just wasn't a, she wasn't a very important person in the film. She was just the wife that just kind of came in and, and said a couple lines and that was it. And, uh, and this was before me too. This was before, um, you know, I, I really grew as a person. And I, and I, I realized that I wasn't writing female characters to their full potential, and and I drew upon my relationship with my wife, who went back to work uh, for two years to make sure that we were able to get this movie funded. So she she and I are, are, are equals, we're partners, and, and
0: big, a big hand to her for myself. yes
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> and and she she really you know she, Zoe really became. Um, that, that personification uh, of my wife and, and how that relationship worked. And I went back and I rewrote uh, Zoe to really take those chances. She's the one who really wanted to go back to the circus when Owen was too afraid to do so. She's the one who, who has that heart and has that faith, and she's the encouraging one, and she's the one. That, and even at the end, when they're battling Horatio, she's the one who stopped. I mean, they, they do it as a family. Even little Mackenzie helps out, and and so it became, the film became not about that one hero's journey, it ke- became about family, and family really became the core of the entire film, and we keep reinforcing that family, 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 and uh, we even, um, we started making the red noses very symbolic of when you're following your heart and when you're not. So when Owen uh, decides to go to work with Woodley after the proposal, he takes the nose off. When Chesterfield says, you know, you, you just inherited a circus. Owen takes it off. He throws it to the ground, but Zoe picks it up and she puts it on her nose. And, and, and so it was very symbolic of following your heart and, and family. And so I, I hope that those are the, the traits that are remembered for the film because that was really important to me and, and my relationship with my wife.
0: Wow. Fantastic. And it sounds like a very, very frank and honest reply. Um, <laughs> seriously, and, uh, what are the, uh, so the other, the next question we have is what are the universal themes that the movie explores in its story?
1: Universal themes. Um, I, you know, I, that was the thing that I was, uh, was learning from, uh, Tony was, you know, he was the one who explained what the hero's journey was because I didn't know. <laughs> so, uh, I wasn't doing things traditionally. I don't write traditionally. I was just, I kind of write from the heart, um, but you know, I, I think it would go back to the family. Is, is I would hope is a universal theme, and following your heart, I would hope is a universal theme. Um, you know, I, I for me, I, 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 what I try to do is I try to create characters and a world, and then put a situation like magical animal crackers and see how those characters interact within that world with that situation. And so, uh, at least the way that I see it in my head when I'm writing it is, the characters really. Um, it's almost like programming uh, a world and, and AI. And, uh, you know, you set up the world, you set up the, the the laws of the world, and then you set up your characters personalities and then you let them go off and you let them tell that story. And, and it's, it's a bit chaotic, I think. Um, but I never went to any kind of writing school or anything. And so for me, it's just um, I worked in video games, for years. And so for me, it it, it almost feels like, like, uh, like that is a, a very, and it's, it's exciting for me because I'm watching as I'm typing it, I'm watching it unfold. Oh, my character wouldn't do that. They would say this and they would do that. And, and so you really, it's, 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 um, it's like when I paint, uh, when I paint, especially with watercolor, um, when you put that paint down on that on that paper with the water, you don't know what's going to happen. It's different every time it's, it's up to the temperature in the room. It's up to the, you know, to gravity and and how much paint is on there, how much water and, and, and it just flows onto the paper differently every time. And, and I think it's that, that surprise that you get when, when you, when you do that. And I, I feel like I got that with the, with the script too.
0: Superb, superb. And, um, uh... My son, who loved your movie, and by the way, he fell in love with Horatio's character. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. And, 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 you know, it's like, he looks like Elvis, sort of. Yeah. You know, know, Sir Ian McKellen, somebody like that. Sounding a lot like, looking like Elvis, you know. So my son uh, had this very unique question. He says, what can children learn from the story of Animal Crackers?
1: Oh, um, I want to say follow your heart because uh again, that is really something, but you know, I think the other thing, if you look at Owen and Zoe's relationship, you'll see that they completely disagreed, completely opposite, yes, yet they never fought and and I, and I love that relationship, and I think um you can have a disagreement you can you can you can believe that the best thing is to go and work at a dog biscuit factory and your best friend or your partner or or your sister can believe that the best thing is to go work at a circus and you can still love each other and you could still, you know, come together. You could still be friends. You could be completely opposite. It works with politics. It works with with anything. You can still love that person despite their choices and uh, you could still find common ground. And And Owen and Zoe, they never, ever um were angry at each other they were they were always respectful and i think that's a good uh lesson to learn
0: fantastic i will pass that on and uh, <laughs> i don't know how much will he, you know uh follow but let's see uh um,
1: i'll try sorry
0: <laughs> but, but it's okay you know uh, this is a very interactive uh session we are having and you know yeah. it's a family movie and it's meant to be enjoyed and yeah. you know, there are very few things which uh a group of, of a family can enjoy. Now, with the advent of Amazon, Netflix, all these streaming platforms, there is very little content available for the regular family movie goer, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and it's becoming smaller. It's not becoming bigger, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you look at Marvel, DC, you know, we can always debate, but the content for kids is not that much what it used to be
1: for it isn't. I mean, everything, when, when we're looking online, everything on Netflix and Amazon and HBO is uh, TVMA. You know, you see uh, a superhero TV show like Doom Patrol and it's TVMA. You see Daredevil and Luke Cage and, you know, it's TVMA. And uh, Deadpool is is rated R and you're going, and, and I understand that people want something that's more adult, but um, I don't feel like it's being equally served. Now the Marvel movies were great for that. Um, and, and kudos to them for keeping it PG-13. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I like my Superman to be the Christopher Reeve Superman. I like him to be that hopeful, you know, kind of Superman. And, um, you know, I'd love to see more of that. I, I, I want to create more family content, um, that's not speaking down to kids. It's just fun. You know, that, that's, that's all I'm looking for is I'm not looking to talk down to anybody. I just want to create something fun.
0: Great, superb. Uh, well, share your. Uh, the next question is: uh, share your experiences with the casting, uh, with the casting process, the cast itself. You have a heavy-duty cast in a small movie yeah. like this. I mean, you know, you have Magneto, <laughs> you have <Yeah>. Jack Ryan, <laughs> you have Mary Poppins. I've. You have, uh, uh, you I know, got
1: the Penguin with Danny DeVito. Yeah, you, you know,
0: you know, uh, so how do you deal with uh, such a big cast in a project, which is not that big exactly? And how yeah. do you end up casting people? Um, uh,
1: how I dealt with it was Xanax. That's how I got through that. <laughs> but, uh, um, <laughs> the, casting, the casting has to go, credit has to go to uh, Jamie Thomason, my, my good friend and casting director, and uh, Curtis Kohler uh they pulled off a miracle um we had our original budget was 11 million dollars and wow. it was going to be a uh direct to dvd movie and uh we had are you, we are had you a, kidding me no i'm serious that was it was just <laughs> a direct dvd movie it was it was it's my first movie we weren't expecting okay, sure. to go theatrical I, I, we weren't expecting and so you know i i, I had two names in uh, two voices in my head when i was writing it. And and the others, I, I no voice came to mind. But Ian McKellen was always Horatio. I just heard it in his voice, and Brock was always Patrick Warburton. So those those were the names that were always, always, always um, just in my head. So um, Jamie had worked with uh, Patrick several times, and he says I, we shouldn't have a problem. He's within our budget. We should be okay. He says we might be able to get Ian McKellen. Our budget's really low, but we could spend like 80% of our budget and try to get Ian McKellen and see. And I said, well, let's just reach out. And he says, if Ian McKellen says no, which is a complete possibility because we're nobody, you know, we've never, I've never made a film before. And Blue Dream Studios had no name in Hollywood. And he says, let's put some other names in there. And so he put some, you know, put some requests for, Danny DeVito for yeah. Ian McKellen, or for uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone and, and Raven Simone and whatnot. And um, we waited a few weeks, waited a few weeks, and suddenly Ian McKellen said yes. And we were like, oh my God, I can't believe Ian McKellen's going to be in our little movie, this little direct-to-DVD movie. And uh, a day later, Sylvester Stallone said yes. Before we were able to, to tell the agents, no, okay, we got our one big name, we get... Then Danny DeVito said yes. And Raven Simone said yes. And, and so we went, oh no, we've, we've, we've got to either tell them no, which I really didn't want to do, or I've got to go back to my investors and ask them for more money. And so I went to my investors in China and they said, yes, and they gave us more money so we could, we could do the cast. Then my casting, uh, then uh, Jamie said, I'm going to run a name by you for Owen. He oh. says, John Krasinski. I said, I've never heard of him. It was 2014. I'd never seen The Office, and you know it was just he had only really done The Office and maybe a couple small parts here or there, and uh, I just didn't know. He goes, "Trust me, he's really funny." I said, "Okay, I trust you." I mean, look what you've done. We got Sylvester Stallone, Danny DeVito, Ian McAllen, Patrick Warburton. Um, I trust you. So I flew from Nashville to Los Angeles for our first session. It was Danny DeVito uh, and Raven, Simone on one day and John Krasinski on the next day. And, uh, Danny and Raven were amazing. And, uh, and then I go to meet John Krasinski and he's just very friendly. He He's just telling me he loved the script. It says, et cetera. And we, we did our first session and he was amazing. I, I, the minute he spoke, I knew he was, he was Owen and, um, we hadn't cast Zoe yet and he says, uh, he says, "Hey, because he I just want to let you know." He says, "My wife loved your script. She just thought it was wonderful." Now I didn't know who he was, who he was, so of course I didn't know who he was married to. So I just said thank you and I walked out of the room. <laughs> and fortunately, the microphones were hot, and Jamie heard from inside. He comes running in. He says, "Would your wife want to be in the movie?" <laughs> and I'm wondering why is Jamie asking this poor man why his wife, if his wife wants to be in the movie, and. So he says, yeah, he picks up his phone, he texts Emily, and Emily replies, yeah. And so he goes, yeah, she's in. And that's how Emily Blunt came on the film was just dumb luck, you know. And uh, I mean, fortunately, Um, someone was listening to our conversation.
0: I'm sorry to intervene. I would hardly call it dumb, (laughs) you know, from (laughs) any conceivable imagination. I think you've taken so much of time to building this whole project and now in 2020, these guys are already very big stars. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that ultimately went to your own benefit that you have, um, mm. like, I can tell you one thing that, you know, what, uh, Scott, uh, the digital and the streaming business, the OTT platforms, as they call it in India, over the top, uh, you know, platforms, which is basically the name for Netflix and Amazon. In oh, okay. Okay. Here in India. And um, what they've done is that they have literally made the world flat. Like we are now looking at simultaneous releases of films in New Delhi and New York at the same time. Wow. You know, like you are seeing all these on, uh, we have like close to, I think some four or five million, I think two to four million uh, subscribers of Netflix in India. And it's growing rapidly. And, wow. uh, and, and, you know, uh, India is a population of around a billion people and uh, you never know how. Big. This can become because India is not totally wired with 4G internet, and I think yeah. the benefits is that now whatever you are doing is for a global audience in the right sense because now distribution is in power to your device, so yeah. you really don't have to go to a theater or a festival or a drive-in in the U.S. I remember, or any of these things. Only you know you can yes. just do that at your laptop screen or your home, uh, you know, entertainment system. And uh, this is really a very, very unique, the way you know you have told us about your journey. And just now a little bit about Off Track from Animal Crackers. Yeah. Uh, now, Scott, uh, tell me, what would be the five films you would recommend your Indian fans in animation they should watch?
1: Ah, uh, all right. Um, I really love the new Spider-Man Into the Multiverse. Wow. Um, I thought that was really good. Iron Giant is another one that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that one. Um, Despicable Me 2. I remember seeing that and thinking it was the perfect film. They they hit every beat perfectly. Uh, so that is three. Um, the Little Mermaid is another one of my favorites. Classic. And yeah. And so that's four. And I'm trying to think if there's any... I'm sure I'm gonna think of something afterwards and I'm gonna go, oh, I should have said this. But um I this one's out of left field, but I remember my my wife and I loved it when when it first came out was uh The Brave Little Toaster. Is that available anywhere
0: online? it's, It's a
1: very it's a very odd film. Um it was about a toaster who, you know, goes to find uh it's it's owner um but yeah you should be able to find it somewhere but it was called the brave little toaster and it was really cute it was just a, a very cute it was probably in the the late 80s early 90s that it came out um but I need to
0: uh, google this but i love <laughs> the name but i would love to have a t-shirt that says the brave little toaster you know yep <laughs>
1: you know? it was it was such a, i haven't seen it in probably 30 years but it was such a cute movie and uh and um yeah give it a shot tell me what you think of it well, I wonder if it still holds up.
0: Yep. And uh, our final question is, what is your message to Indian fans? Anything you love about Indian uh, films, anything about Indian entertainment or you, what do you, would you like to give a message to our Indian fans?
1: I, you know, I, I think it's, it's funny. I was asked by DreamWorks maybe 20 years ago um, to, uh, to write an Indian film. And, and, uh, and I wrote it with my buddy, Kevin Grievous, who did Underworld. And, uh, and it never came out, but it was called Bali Pop. And so I, I, I think that it was about an elephant who wanted to become a Bali dancer. And, uh, and it was just such a fun story that, you know, it's still it. sitting there. But, uh, but I, I loved, I loved the the dancing, I love the the, I love the art of it, you know, and I love the colors, and I think I would love to do something with that, and I think um, you you guys have such a an amazing culture, and um,
0: thank you so much, appreciate. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's that's although what I would, I would although, love. Although I would call myself as when it comes to motion picture and entertainment, I'm more American, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I would say yes, the art forms are unique. And Scott, just a little word about this channel. Uh, This is Filmy Banya, which is my uh, podcast. And we started around two years ago. And we have interviewed, see see the vision of this podcast is to bring the global voices and global content for Indian Ah. Indian audience. And uh, we had Michael Uslan as our first guest, who was the executive Ah. producer of all Dark Knight and Batman films. And the man uh, who um, brought the Cape Crusader to the big screen. Uh, then we just recently did an interview with Dirk Maggs. He directed uh, the audiobook of Sandman, Neil Gaiman's. Nice. He did with Audible in DC. And uh, the third uh, we did with an Israeli director called Rotem Shamir. He made this show called Foda. I don't know if you've seen it. on Netflix. No. It's a big rage F A U D A Foda. It's an Israeli show. And okay. it's, been, uh, it's it's streaming on Netflix. You can find it. But in okay. India, it's a very big rage for oh, nice. our latest interview. And it is such a pleasure to, you know, interacted with you in this session. And oh, my uh, pleasure. Our viewers, um, it's a great uh, interview with Scott who's shared with us in really frank and very, very you know, candid way about his journey. And the good thing is that Animal Crackers is available on Netflix India, and you can go and type Animal Crackers and you will get it on your own. And it's a great, nice movie and a great family outing. And on, the, on behalf of all my viewers across India, Middle East, and even in the US, Scott, many thanks for coming. And uh, it's such a pleasure to interact with you. And we'll be airing this interview within two weeks. And we'll send you the great. link once it's done.
1: I look forward to it. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much, Scott. <laughs>